aiming to destroy the A-list before Gendo can trigger third impact and instrumentality under his control. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the B-Movie Bros. Here we review B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. So here we are, it's August, and we decided to do an anime month. Paul was like, hey, let's start out with, you know, the end of everything with the end of Evangelion from 1997. The beginning and the end are one and the same. So you heard what the Netflix description had to say. Let's dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties top and bottom three. Paul, go ahead and get us started. All right, let's start with the top first. At number three, the visuals in this movie, especially during the third impact sequence, are absolutely incredible. All of, the huma- all of humanity turns into, into Kang and merges into a giant albino girl as the fate of existence hinges on a 14-year-old boy who finally gained the nerve to get in the fucking robot. Ignoring all the action and philosophical themes going on, the premise itself and the manner by which it's presented is really a sight to behold. Two, Evangelion as a whole has some of the best character development I've seen in any show, or film for that matter. Every character is distinct in personality. They're united through the fear of loneliness and inability to connect with others. Even the minor characters, who only have a few scenes, manage to show a level of Depth that makes everything seem really realistic and human. And number one, there's so much imagery and hidden meaning behind just about every aspect of this film. You can watch it multiple times and come up with different interpretations, or just see something you didn't see, or come up with, or hear a line you don't remember from the last time you heard it. I've seen this movie at least half a dozen times, and I still manage to find things that I overlooked in all my other viewings of it. For me, number three. The support characters are fantastic, and their personalities all shine through brilliantly in a wonderful transition from the original show to the movie, something that doesn't always happen when you go from a TV series to a movie. Number two, Asuka finally becomes the beast she always bragged about being, ripping and murdering the other Avas in just a matter of a few minutes. I mean, the whole series, she talks about how she's the best and the greatest and she can do anything. Well, this time she actually proves it in one of the most glorious fight scenes of any mech. Except for even when she manages to kill an enemy, it comes back and she still fails at it. And number one, this movie brings a much better conclusion to the series than the original final two episodes that really didn't have much to do with the show and left a whole lot to be explained. So it's great to get that final conclusion. Well, you didn't like all the watercolors and, you know... Just still screams and weird shit. I liked it. It just, you know, left a lot to be answered and was like, hey, instrumentality, and we're like, what's that? I feel like you'll get very few people who will say that the episodes 25 and 26 were better than End of Evangelion. I think it's uh, basically canon that End of Evangelion is the true ending. I mean, I think the same people that think The Room is actually a brilliant work of art are, like, the only people that enjoy the... uh, the final two episodes better than End of Evangelion. Yeah. So, on to the bottom three. Number three. I've never really been a fan of the short live-action portion of this film. It's a couple scenes where you see the voice actors in the real world, some Evangelion cosplayers, and a shot of a bunch of people in a theater, which I'm assuming is supposed to be the audience. 
I get that it's supposed to reflect the audience back at the at themselves and show the world as it is rather than rather than some idealized form of escapism, but I'm just not a fan of it. I don't think it was pretentious, just not a stylistic choice I would have gone with. And considering how interesting a lot of the scenes are in this film, that's saying quite a bit. Number two. There is a line by one of the faceless Sile members that always baffled me. It's said toward the end of the film when Sile is getting ready to implement instrumentality and right before the attack on Nerve headquarters, and it's, We need not cast off our human form to use Evangelion as our own private arc. This seems to, this seems to imply that uniting all of humanity as one being through third impact isn't actually part of their plan or a necessary part of it, which is weird because I don't recall them changing their intentions, only their methods of achieving third impact by, instead of using Adam and Lilith, using, using AV Unit 1. I did some research and discovered that there's apparently an Evangelion PlayStation 2 game where there's some classified information that states that Seelay intended for instrumentality to only be for their own council members. Rather than forming a sea of LCL, Seelay wished to merge inside an Evangelion unit with its own S2-2 after destroying the Spear of Longinus. By placing their own souls within the body of a godlike being and destroying the only weapon that can harm the body, they would effectively create an immortal god with a human soul, which would represent the pinnacle of human existence and live through all, all of eternity. Which is just fucking stupid. Seelay wasn't supposed to be some evil organization bent on world domination. Their goal was to end all loneliness and alienation by forcing human evolution by uniting every single being into one single entity. To them, humanity was a series of individual a series of individual entities was meaningless, as our separate existence only caused pain and emptiness. The whole reason Shinji was tempted to give into instrumentality in the first place was to escape the, the pain that people inevitably cause each other. Instead of facing reality, instrumentality was meant for meant as a means for him to run away, a form of escapism which Hideki Anno, the creator of the series, was attempting to lead people away from. This new interpretation of Sile's plan for instrumentality com completely goes against the very themes of the movie and the series. Fortunately, the game's kenicity is dubious at best, so I personally choose to ignore it. But it still leaves the question, what the fuck was this guy talking about in the first place? Was he just having cold feet before instrumentality, or what? I don't know. And number three. So, one of the major themes of Evangelion is the importance of facing reality. Whether intentional or not, people will inevitably cause each other pain. However, without others, to acknowledge our existence, life itself becomes meaningless. Alienating yourself through escapism will only lead to feelings of emptiness and even greater pain. It's only through connections we form with others that we can find true happiness. Unfortunately, the... A very large portion of the Evangelion fandom seemed to miss that little uh, theme, as the series ended up becoming a form of escapism for a lot of people. The immense popularity of Evangelion spawned an entire franchise of, of Evangelion-related media, and has been partially credited with the creation of modern otaku culture, as well as the current phenomenon known as the hikimori which are young Japanese men who, due to the high-paced society they live in, choose to drop out of society entirely in favor of immersing themselves in anime and video games. This is exactly what 
Hideki Anno was trying to stop, but ended up largely creating. Imagine having your greatest artistic achievement credited for achieving the exact opposite of what you were trying to do. That's gotta suck. That is like the ultimate irony. It's the ultimate, like, kick in the dick. So for me, number three. This movie does still have some of the more abstract moments from the original series end as far as crayon drawings and stock footage. It kind of worked and was interesting in the show because it just kind of came out of left field and was like, whoa, check this out, it's different. But for the movie, it just felt annoying. Number two. Asuka doesn't survive her bout with the other seemingly immortal Avas, which is just sad after she came so far to, you know, be who she truly wanted to be at, uh, at the end there. The way she died was so brutal and awful that you, even if you don't like her character, which you just can't help but feel bad for her. Also confused me because up. in every other battle with the angels and stuff, whenever they were hurt, it was just like their their nerve suit like made them feel pain, but like nothing actually physically happened to them. So why when they she was fighting these Ava slash angel things... Did the damage that they inflicted on her Ava actually be reflected on her physically? That made no sense to me. I'm not sure if she was literally being hurt or if it was just like they symbolic, were animating it that way. Yeah, I mean it's it's end of Evangelion, so never really sure what's real and what's not. It's third impact. Anything can happen. And number one, Shinji may be the worst anime protagonist I have ever witnessed. He never wants to do his job. He's whiny and scrawny and just an all-around little bitch. He should never have been one of the children, and I don't believe for one second that he could, would, or should be left in charge of saving humanity from any threat, let alone the angels. It is kind of funny that Shinji's uh, mother issues were the reason he was so good at piloting the Ava, but I, I kind of feel bad for Shinji. It's easy to hate on him, but I... I feel like he's... It's easy to hate on him because all he needs is love. <laughs> all he needed was his mom and, you know, connections with others that he was afraid to. I don't know. I don't mind Shinji so much, but it is, it's fun to make fun of him. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Getting fucking robot Shinji. That's something that we haven't talked about is the dialogue of this film. And Paul actually went and got some of the original Gynex subtitles for our, for our Quote War. Hell yeah. So we're going to have ourselves a good old-fashioned Quote War. We'll quote this movie back and forth. You tell us who had the better quotes. So I'll start us off with, So mankind, a race of flawed and incomplete separate entities, has reached the end of its evolutionary potential. The fate of destruction is also the joy of rebirth. Through the sacrament of death. God, humanity, and all living beings will be united and born as one. That stuff's not for kids. Yes, all is right with the world. Hiding behind the skirts of a little girl at a time like this? Snap out of it! The chamber of Goth is open. The door to the beginning and end of the world is opened at last. I never believed anyone could love me. I never deserved to be loved. How disgusting. That ends this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this film or anything else you'd like to say about it, please leave it in the comments below. It's time to give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on a shot scale. Our shot scale is a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a 3 out of 10. I gave it a 1 out of 10. 
So I have to say, End of Evangelion is a much more fitting end for the Neon Genesis Evangelion series than the original ending episodes. It explains instrumentality and a lot of the imagery that was shown to us in the final two episodes. Everything matches up well with the series. Characters, personalities, and actions all seem to make sense. It's definitely got some messed up moments, and unfortunately Shinji still doesn't mature or develop any further. Disagree. But at least, in the end, he got in the fucking robot. That's what matters. Within the diverse medium of animation, The End of Evangelion is universally considered a masterpiece, a film that set the standard for all subsequent animation to follow, due to its nearly flawless blend of beautiful animation and enthralling storytelling. The movie serves as the conclusion to the popular 90s anime, Neon Genesis Evangelion. In the wake of humanity's triumph over the, the enemy race no, known as the Angels, 14-year-old Shinji Ikari, pilot of the Evangelion Unit 1, stands alone, remembering his battle with the final angel. The angel had appeared before him in the form of an a man named Kawaru, a kind, gentle young man. Kawaru had been the first person to show true affection toward Shinji. Overcome with remorse and unable to find comfort from others, Shinji falls into a deep depression. Having, having lost the will to live, he retreats into his mind, abandoning the rest of the world. Meanwhile, with the angels finally defeated, the shadowy organization known as Sile begins to set forth the Human Instrumentality Project, a secret plan to force the evolution of man by uniting all souls of living beings into one perfect being and ridding humanity of fear and loneliness once and for all. Using the AV Unit 1 as the catalyst for the instrumentality, Shinji finds himself at the center of Sile's plan with the future of humanity at his, the behest of his will to live. Confronted by doubt and uncertainty, Shinji finds strength to stop running away, rejecting instrumentality and embracing his existence as a singular entity. End of Evangelion is an examination of the human subconscious, serving as the audience sur surrogate. The viewer experiences the same pain and anxiety as Shinji as he comes to terms with his existence. Through his inner turmoil, we're forced to confront our own vulnerabilities. However, it's through, through accepting the parts of ourselves we hide from others and try to deny to ourselves that we can finally learn to love ourselves and form true connections with others. From the mind-blowing animation, incredible cast of characters, and unique style of storytelling that could only come from the twisted mind of Hideki Anno, the end of Evangelion is a true work of art. So there you have it, friends. But if you want to drink away the slick, drink away the slick, come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the slick. Bum, 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 bum. We'll give you some drink games for this film, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one. Every time someone mentions an AT field, take a drink. Number two, every time a member of Sile speaks, take a drink. Number three, whenever Ray randomly appears, take a drink. Number four, anytime Shinji is crying, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's anime month, whenever you see something on screen written in a foreign language, take a drink. Every time someone turns into Tang, take a drink. Every time someone dies outside of 30 Impact, take a drink. Every time you see Kawaru, take a drink. And every time someone mentions either Adam or Lilith, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away the slick. If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-Movie related, you can leave us a comment on either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros.gmail.com, like us on Facebook at facebook.com to bmoviebros, follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros, or my personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. You can check out all our other content, including reviews, interviews, and chats for us at bmoviebros.com, where we have new series each week. If you want to help support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links provided below. It's the end of week one for Anime Month, so obviously the movie in the number one position for us is both going to be End of Evangelion. A worthy place. But next week we're going to check out another movie based off of one of my favorite series, 
Yu Yu Hakusho, the movie The Poltergeist Report. All right, this can't possibly be bad. 1994, please don't fail me now. So until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Get on the next one. I'll see you in a little bit.